It is truly a blessing and an honor to be in the house of God this morning. I don't take it lightly. It's good to see every one of your faces. Amen. Those that I've known for years and those that are new. Uh, truly, I believe God has a word for us this morning. So I just want to ask that you would open your heart and open your mind. Amen. First, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you that your word says that where two or three are gathered in your name, you are in the midst. And in this moment, God, we acknowledge your presence. We acknowledge that you are here and that you desire to speak to your sons and daughters. So we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would soften our hearts, take away all fear and anxiety, and give us hearts of flesh to receive your word. We ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Uh, everybody sounds a little sleepy this morning, so can you guys uh, pep up a little bit? Help the preacher. Amen. Amen. There we go. It's getting a little better. I definitely want to honor our senior pastors, Pastor Benjamin and Sonny, in their absence. Uh, they have definitely laid the foundation uh, for the work of God here in uh, El Cerrito and also in Emeryville. So we thank God for them and for giving us uh, this opportunity to speak. I also want to honor my parents. My parents are here. Mom and Dad, could you stand, please? Those are my parents. And my aunt is here. My Aunt Anita, would you? Thank you, thank you. Thank you guys for coming. They always, always support me, and many of my family are watching online, so I'm so thankful for all of them. Um, I'm gonna need you guys to talk back with me a little bit, so can you do that, is that okay? So look at your neighbor. Look at him in the eyeball. And say, neighbor, I must be about my father's business. All right, now switch. Other neighbor, your turn. Say, neighbor, I must be about my father's business. Amen. That's our text today. That's the title of this sermon. Um, you know, I was thinking before I came up here, I know this is Golden State territory, but I'm just going to mention another basketball superstar. Just, just, just hang in there with me. Steph is the man. But uh, LeBron James, he is like Jordan 2.0. And it's hard for me to say that because I love Steph. But I have to say I respect him because something he said as a father really stuck out to me. He said he doesn't have many regrets, but one of his few regrets is that he named one of his sons LeBron James Jr. And he said now he realizes that by doing that, just by his son bearing his name, there's just unrealistic expectations that have been placed upon him. Now, I could think from the son's perspective, I could totally feel overwhelmed if LeBron James was my daddy Come on, he just broke the scoring record. Like, it's been in there for years. Nobody has been even close to it. 
And now his son is on the verge of entering the NBA. Wow, I have an anxiety attack, just to keep it real. But I was thinking about from the father's perspective, like, man, how cool must it be that your son is entering the family's business, right? Like he even said, he's not gonna retire until his son enters into the NBA. He wants to play with his son. You know, he really is. His legacy is unmatched. And we sometimes, I think, feel like Jesus, figuratively, is like the LeBron James of the spirit, right? And we're like Bronny. And we feel like we can never measure up to what he's accomplished. But I have good news for you. With his help, he says that we'll do even greater things. All right. If you have your Bibles or uh, cell phones, if you would turn to Luke chapter 2. This will be our main sermon text this morning, Luke chapter 2. And we'll read starting at verse number 41. Luke 2, 41. When you have it, please say amen. amen. And it reads, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? but they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. There is an urgency in this text that sometimes I think we brush over because we're so familiar with it. But the word that just jumped out and grabbed my heart as I was reading this was the word must. He said, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? It was of utmost importance. And I believe the Father's will is always of utmost importance, but do we recognize it? Jesus never wavered in his priorities. Even though he had earthly responsibilities, he never wavered in his devotion to his Father's business. Even though he had uh, 
He always remembered that first and foremost, he was his father's son. He saw everything through the lens of I'm my father's responsibility and what's important to him is of utmost importance to me. He and the father, they were walking in lockstep. Jesus recognized that his life was not his own, right? What did he even pray in the garden? Not my will, but your will be done. And Jesus is our ultimate example. You know, Jesus came in flesh, not just to die for our sins, but also to teach us how we are to live. If you could turn with me to John 5. I think Jesus goes into a little more detail as he's older and in his ministry. John 5 verse 16. Now this is when after Jesus had healed the man by the pool. He says, it says, for this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him. Because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now. And I have been working. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him. Because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, The son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. You know, at first I had a question like, does that mean that Jesus is just like a spiritual puppet? Does he, you know, is he just like Geppetto, like whatever he sees the father doing? Or maybe do actually means accomplish. Whatever he sees the father accomplishing, that's what he works towards. Because the father didn't take on flesh, right? So... Whatever Jesus saw the Father working towards, that is what he worked towards. Question, how did Jesus know what his Father's business was? The answer is, I'm going to give it to you, that he had to spend time in prayer and in the Holy Scriptures. We don't don't like that. Like, can't he just download You know, like all the plans. The answer is that he had to spend time in prayer and in the Holy Scriptures. Jesus was fully God and fully human. And yes, he did receive divine inspiration from the Father. However, as he grew up, he understood to a deeper degree what his Father's will was through studying the Scriptures. Lastly, he only accomplished, understood fully what his father wanted to accomplish when he fully devoted himself to it. So I'm going to help you guys out this morning. You guys ready for some help? I'm going to give you three keys to the father's will. You want it? I'm going to just give it to you for free. You old school saints, you got your uh, pen and paper out? 
New school, you can just put it in your notes. First one, receive vision through intimacy. Second one, study scripture to discover his plans. And lastly, devote yourself to accomplishing his plans. Real easy, huh? Oh, I didn't get any amens. I guess it wasn't too easy. <laughs> she wants it again? All right. Number one, receive vision through intimacy. Number two, study scripture to discover his plans. And number three, devote yourself to accomplishing his plans. Amen. The first one, receive vision through intimacy. I just want to read to you out of Luke 6. You don't have to turn there. Luke 6, 12, it says, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. So isn't it amazing that through intimacy with the Father, Jesus received instruction on who his disciples would be. It said in the evening he went to the mountain. So that means you can't just do your QT in the morning and be like, I'm done. Amen? But he was in constant conversation, thought, contemplation with his father. And he even had to get by himself and go to the mountain to receive instruction. But we're not going to totally diss morning QT. Mark 135, it says, Jesus went up early in the morning and he spent time with his father. And through that time with his father, he actually we received instructions on who he wanted him to preach to. So that means we don't just preach to everybody. We got to move when the Holy Spirit leads us. So through his early morning prayer, he received instruction who to actually preach to. Another one, this is uh, the new church, Acts 13. Verse 1, they prayed and ministered. Uh, verse 2, actually, they prayed and ministered to the Lord and fasted. And then the Lord said, now separate to me Paul and Barnabas for the work to which I have called them. So we also see through prayer and worship, you receive your destiny, the call for ministry. Lastly, Jesus helped us in John 15. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Did you hear that part? Neither can you unless you abide in me. You know, let me help you guys out. Some of you guys aren't gardeners, and I'm, I'm really not. So it just means intimacy. It just means staying connected. It just means spending time with the Father. If we do that, we're empowered to bear fruit. Amen? Our time with God is mostly about a heart exchange. 
The key to getting God's heart, you guys want it? I don't think you want it. I know the answer, so I don't think you want it. The key to getting God's heart is dying to ourselves. True intimacy requires honesty. We just got to be real with God about where we are. Like, you can fool me. I mean, you guys look good. I mean, you look holy to me. But he sees even into the, into the deep parts of our heart. All right, let's jump to part two. I don't want to be here all day. Part two, study scripture to discover his plans. Psalm 119, uh, verse 105, very familiar verse of scripture. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Thank God for light. Light makes it easier for us to see where we're going, right? The word of God is light, and it brings light. It doesn't make things darker, darker but they actually it makes things easier to understand. Now I'm going to meddle with you guys a little bit, but I'm going to meddle with me too. So is that okay? If, if I meddle with y'all and meddle with me, is it cool? All right. I'm, I'm about to take somebody's life scripture, Proverbs 3. You know where I'm going. Verse what? Verse 5 and 6. There it is. What does it say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Question. Why do we acknowledge God last? Because Right? It says here, in all your ways acknowledge him, all of them, right? And he shall direct your paths. You know, I had a good laugh with Pastor Benjamin uh, this week, and we were talking about this very thing. He had a situation arise, and immediately he got into fix-it mode. Who can relate? He immediately got into fix-it mode, and he literally wore himself out. I mean, to the point to where he had no strength. And I'm not just talking about physical strength, no emotional bandwidth. How many can relate to that? And he's, I'll let him give the testimony later. But he said, once he got to that place, he just cried out to God. And he said, after the prayer, he felt like he just heard so clearly the voice of the Lord said, that's actually what I've been waiting for. For you to get to the end of your strength. And then he said, after that, within the same week, breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. He didn't have to work for it. People were calling him. Hey, can I do this for you? Hey, I want to bless you with this. Hey, I think you'd be great for this. He didn't have to do anything. But once he acknowledged God and did not lean to his own understanding anymore, God came through. Now, I told you I was going to mess with me too, so I'm going to put my stuff out there too. I thank God for my wife. She just led us in, in worship. Was that not powerful? 
You single men, you want to get you a godly wife. And I'm going to tell you why, because I was about to make a dumb mistake that I had made before. I know, me. <laughs> of all people. I was shocked too. But a few years back, my wife was in a car accident on her way to picking up our children. And long and short of it, the car was pretty much totaled. And uh, those of you that are familiar with insurance claims, uh, we actually did not get the full amount for the vehicle. So, not only were we out of a vehicle, and that was our only vehicle, but we still owed on it. And so like Pastor Benjamin, I got into fix-it mode. I know what I'll do. I'll work more hours, and I'll just get a car loan right now. We got to have a car, right? My wife stopped me. She said, babe, I don't think that's what God wants for us. Me, I'm like, what are you talking about? We need a car. How are we going to get to work? How are the kids going to get to school? We need a car now. She said, babe, I don't think that's what God wants us to do right now. Can we just pray first? Can we acknowledge him? That's that verse. So when she hit me with scripture, I had to come down. Yeah, you know, it's like, okay. So we prayed. And after we prayed, I don't know. God didn't fix it immediately, but we just got a peace. Somebody can relate to that. We just got a peace. And we went months borrowing here and there, renting the whole nine yards. And out of nowhere, some one of our least expected friends called my wife while we were in CG. See, it's a blessing to be in CG. Nathaniel was there, Brother Rick, Sandra were there. In the middle of CG, we got the call. Our friend bought us a brand new car. You know, we don't want to be in those situations, but I think God loves it because that's when he gets to show us who he really is. All right, now that I made you feel good, I'm going to challenge you. Another very familiar verse, Matthew 28:18 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Not only did Jesus follow the Father, but he followed him to the point to where all authority was given to him. And then once all authority was given to him, what did he do? He charged us to go into all the nations and make disciples. You want to know what the will of God for you is? Make disciples. 
And he's not just talking about the preacher. He said to all of his disciples. You know, I know that this Great Commission verse tends to cause like a lot of anxiety. And I get it. You know, when Jesus said go. But you know what helped me? I realized he said go to a bunch of imperfect people. I mean, think about it. Peter. Peter would just put his foot in his mouth. Both of them. You know, John said, I wish they would, Lord, call down fire on, on these people. He didn't have a lot of grace, John. Philip was with the Savior for so long, and even Jesus got frustrated. Philip, I've been with you this long. You still don't know who I am? Thomas. Oh. Man, I feel bad for Thomas. Like, somebody ever call your bluff? <laughs> you know what that feels like. Thomas had his bluff called. He said, who, unless I put my finger into his side and the print of the nails in his hand, I won't believe. But Jesus, in his love and his mercy, he allowed him to. I think he wants us to know that there's no power in us. And we will have to totally, completely depend on him. Other thing he said, make disciples. It reminds me that the word made is a, prom is a process. Making a disciple is a process. It's not just a prayer. So that means it's great that you walked up to that person and asked them, have you heard the good news? And even if they accept it. But to make a disciple, you got to be willing to walk with people because that's what Jesus did. He walked with them and he made them fishers of men. That's that word again, make. He made them fishers of men. And so we don't have to feel like we know it all because he knows that we're imperfect and he knows that we are desperately in need of him. Last one, part three, devote yourself to accomplish his plans. Matthew 6, verse 24. It says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Jesus was fully devoted to his father's will. But where did that come from? It's the first two. Intimacy with his father that gave him vision for his life. And then two, studying the scriptures so he understood the plan of God. That's where that devotion arose from. John 4, 34, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Not only did doing the will of God feed his soul, but it also, but also his soul was not fully satisfied until he finished the work. That's a model for us. Let's not be so easily satisfied just by doing the things of God, but we got to be satisfied until the work is done, till it's complete.
Don't just sign up for a ministry, but be there. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday when it's hard. Did Jesus have an easy life? But he was devoted to accomplishing his father's will. Think about Matthew 4. The devil came to him in so many ways to try to distract him, to try to get him to think about his own will. But Jesus was devoted to accomplishing his father's will. What are some things that stop us from being about our father's business? There are two things specifically that I want to focus on this morning. One is distraction, and the other is pride. And this is found in 1 John 2, uh, starting at verse 15. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. I think... Um, Distraction is the enemy's go-to. The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye basically distract us. Sometimes we start off well-intentioned, right? But somehow along the way, we just get a little distracted. Life, right? Chokes out the word, chokes out the seed, chokes out our good intentions, right? He told the Galatians, hey, you started off good. <laughs> but what hindered you? <laughs> the other one is pride. We don't like that word. We don't even talk about that in church. Sometimes we simply want to do our own thing. You know, and I can understand, you know, like kind of the desire to just kind of go your own way, make your own way in the world. Only problem with that is that our Father created us with purpose, and he had works for us even before the foundation of the world that we were designed to accomplish. The result of moving in pride or getting distracted is most often another bad word we don't like to talk about in church, shame. And I believe that this is what the Father wants to put his finger on this morning. So if you haven't heard anything else I've said this morning, please listen up. There are basically two types of shame, toxic shame and healthy shame or contrition. So toxic shame, sometimes things are outside of our control and we haven't done anything wrong. But the enemy will jump on those things and tell us that it's your fault. That happened because of you. 
the truth is what our father says about us so we don't have to give in to toxic shame. Healthy shame or contrition is the first step towards reconciliation with our father. When confronted with our sin, we honestly confess it to God. This is what I love about David. There's a lot I don't really like about David, but this is one thing I really love about David. When confronted with his sin, he was contrite. He was honest. And he even told us about it in Psalm 51. He says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. That's the heart of it. God wants our heart in order for us to fulfill his call, in order for us to accomplish and be about our father's business, we got to give him our hearts. I'm going to give you guys a quick tip. I've been throwing out a lot of them. This is my last one. No, this is really going to help somebody. When you are truly contrite in prayer, sometimes it helps to spend some time just sitting and being silent before him. We must give God time to truly create in us a clean heart and to renew the right spirit within us. Coming to a close, just want to ask everyone to just kind of close your eyes and envision with me. As I was preparing this message, I kind of just got this little vision that came to my mind. Vision of a, a little child standing with their father, crouching behind him and holding them around the waist with one arm. And there's a table that's just a few feet away from them. And the father points to the table and tells the child to walk over to the table. The child starts walking toward the table, but midway gets you distracted by a toy off to the wayside. The child starts walking over to the toy and suddenly falls. After a little while, the, the child starts to cry because they are now stuck in between the father and their destination. I believe the application for that vision is if you can identify with that little child and you yourself feel like you're stuck between your heavenly father and his destiny for your life, I have good news for you. All you have to do is cry out to your heavenly father just like that little child did. He'll pick you up and he'll help you get back on the track to your destiny. (sighs) 
I don't know if you're a Christian already. If you are, that's great. Uh, maybe you've never prayed the sinner's prayer. It's fine too. But the reality is all of us in here, we're God's children. And the Father desires us to run to him. Many of us like that little child, we got distracted along the way. Maybe you intentionally went off. Maybe you made up your mind, I'm going to make my own way. I'm going to make my own path. Regardless to whatever you find yourself, the Father is waiting with his arms open wide. He's just saying, cry out to me. Come to me. I'll lift you up. I'll dust you off. I'll fill you with my love instead of those lies of shame and I wish I could have. And I feel like God has given somebody a do-over today. The enemy is trying to tell you you messed up. That's it. You had your chance. And the Father is saying, just come to me. My arms are open wide. I'll clean you up and I'll point you right back on your road to your destiny. Every eye closed, if you find yourself in one of those categories, just lift your hand up. We're just going to pray for you. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. The Father sees your hand. And your father is coming to you now. He said, no condemnation. No condemnation. You are not what you did. You're my son. You're my daughter. Why don't we all just stand? We're going to sing that song one more time, run to the father. And if you feel the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart, feel free to come to this altar. This altar is open. But more than that, the Father's, his arms are open. So let's run to the Father. Run to the Father.